0: welcome welcome everybody welcome to the academy awards and the winner for best animated short picture awarded last week is to be revealed later in this episode stay tuned
1: Day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and short-form animation. I'm Chris Leva, And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we are talking about our very, very, our annual, that's the word I'm looking for, not very, our annual look at the Oscar-nominated or Academy Award-nominated short films category animation.
0: This is one of my favorite episodes to record all year.
1: It is. I I think there's something fun about it. We get to see, it's like a summary of what's going on in
0: the psyche of animation. Yeah. And you see like what people are into, what they like. We get to talk a little bit about the Academy in the moment, not just like, will this film be nominated in 10 months? <laughs> it's like, yes, it's like- this was nominated.
1: It was nominated, and by the time you hear this, one of them will have won. We don't know the winner when we're recording this. So we're still going to do our predictions for who we think and also our votes for who we think should win. So who we think will win versus who we think should win. And we'll talk about whether it will be the same. And in our show notes that you can find at writersgetanimated.podbean.com, you'll be able to get a link to all the past episodes where we talk about the Academy Award nominated shorts. I think it's a, it's a fun one. The shorts are just an interesting beast altogether. Oh, they're so fun. They're
0: full of experimentation. Um, it's like poetry, the combination of like artsy poetry and pop poetry. Oh my
1: gosh, I was gonna I, I had that in my head notes to say. Your head notes? My head notes. You know, the notes that I didn't write down in the <laughs> in,
0: <laughs> in the, the document
1: that we use. <laughs> show notes as head notes. Yeah, it was in my head notes. I was thinking through um, how would I describe it? They're not like essays. I'm like, it's more like a poem right there,
0: like a visual poem that's there. Yeah. And poems that still tell a story generally, but they don't have to. You can get away with not telling a a story in a traditional sense in a short film, which is kind of fun.
1: Yeah, it's it's more of the... It's more of the telling of a an idea sometimes, or a particular feeling or emotion, or asking a single question. It's... What I really like about these short films every year is it's... they're very concentrated. So it's very... Not simple in a bad way, but um, because a lot of them can be quite complex in their storytelling and their artistry, but very simple in terms of we're going to talk about and explore this one thing and then we'll, once it's completed, the the short's over and it's been four to 20 minutes (laughs) And and we're done. Sometimes 45 if it's that year for the Oscar-dominated shorts. Yeah, which is rare that that happens, but it has happened before.
0: I forget the exact rules of the time limit, but it's like something... It's like 44 minutes and under, or you're good, somewhere around there. And most
1: of them are right around five to nine minutes. And I think for shorts, without a story, if you're doing something that's more of a of an experience. I think if you go much longer than that, then it just starts to be I don't I don't know what I wanna say. I don't want it to sound it make it sound derogatory, but it just starts to feel like uh meandering. Meand yeah. It it doesn't quite feel like it's it's anything. Like the there's One of the things that I would say is there's the experimentation that Disney used to do in things like Fantasia where they would just play around and, you know, try to do things in a more, hey, we're going after this one idea to this one piece of music. But if it was started to get too long, then you would just lose interest in it because it just feels like they're doing something and not including the audience. So I feel like if it's longer than about seven minutes, that you need something to bring me back into things, a framework for me to follow. Mm -hmm.
0: Otherwise, you're just doing something for yourself. And sometimes the story that it tells when it gets longer can be just the emotional story of the the viewer. It doesn't have to be like a literal story in the short, but if you take me on an emotional journey and you know what my story is, my emotion story as I'm watching this. (laughs) I'm good. I'm in that. Two hours that, eh, maybe not so much, but like 7 to 45 minutes, I'm in. Yes. And I do
1: enjoy going to the screenings where they show all of them together because then it just feels like you're just taking these, um, these random things that don't go together, but you start to see themes together. It's like a collection of poetry and maybe they start to talk to each other and you start to see different things going together, different themes um, that suddenly spark connections that wouldn't normally be there if you had seen them all separately. And I I just think that experience is fun. Yeah. Did you see a theme this year? I saw a couple of themes this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's, let's make a list. Well, not a new list, but let's read the list of the nominated shorts from this year. Would you like to to read them, Mackenzie?
0: Absolutely. So, um, I don't have it written down in order, but I'm going to try to do it in alphabetical order. No no set order here. So, first off, we have Animal Behavior um, from Alison Snowden and David Fine of Canada. Uh, then we have Bao from Domi Shi, which is a U.S. film. It's a Pixar short. Um, what's the next letter in the alphabet? Uh, Late Afternoon uh, from Luis Bagnall of Cartoon Saloon in Ireland. We've talked about Cartoon Saloon before in some of their films. Yes. Uh, they did Breadwinner last year. Uh, then One Small Step from Andrew Chesworth and Bobby Pontigas. Pontillus? I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, sorry Bobby. <clears throat> uh, which is a joint US-China production. And finally, Weekends, from Trevor Jimenez, who this isn't a Pixar short, but I think he works at Pixar, was my Yes, impression. she does. Okay.
1: It did thank people at Pixar at the end of it, in the yeah. credits.
0: Which, bless Pixar, I'm so glad. Even if they're not producing the short, they really support people at that building making animated shorts. Yes. Imagine if you could go into work and make something that you love and are passionate about that was completely in competition to what your office did, and you still got paid to do that. <laughs> That's great.
1: that is great. It's creative That's great. awesomeness <laughs> I think it's it's part of just mentoring and this this is part of why I think animated shorts are important because it's about mentoring new voices and i I love to see the voices that are expressed in animated shorts because usually. Not usually, but lately, the animated features feel a lot of one note and they they sort of start to feel like, oh, it's this company's version of this, so I know what I'm getting with that one and I know that one. And now there are about eight or nine animated feature films coming out and they all start to start to blend together sometimes. (laughs) It's like, well... I think you don't understand that animation could be something else and different and new and you can try and experiment and maybe you don't want to do that for 70 minutes, but maybe you can do it for seven.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up um, mentoring Um, because specifically, and I don't want to talk about the details of Bao yet, but I saw... Um, Bow originally at a presentation from the the group Women in Animation, or WIA for short. And that's when I saw Incredibles 2 also, like way back in the summer. Um, but it was primarily <laughs> a Bow event and they happened to screen Incredibles 2. But there was, uh, it was about uh, women at Pixar and what they did. And so there were a couple women whose names I forget sadly who have been there for a while and they told the story of one day they looked around and realized like, there aren't many women here. They need to do more about that and figure out what the gaps are and mentor the next generation of women at Pixar. And uh, Domi Shi, the director of Bowls, one of them that they chose. And mm-hmm. now she's going on to be the director of an upcoming unnamed Pixar film. That's terrific. Ta-da! I, I, I think that's great.
1: I think animated shorts need to be that platform for people. They need to be that proving ground for people, but also not not just to prove somebody's worth, but to give them the experience they need because generally it's you're not just gonna randomly get to direct a feature animated film. You need to practice it and, and learn what it's like and understand the pitfalls and, and figure things out. Um, That's why usually in theater programs like the the theater program I went with, it was here, direct a one act and then direct a full length Mm -hmm. because (laughs) 40 minutes versus two hours is quite a lot. You know, there's a lot there. If you can handle this one small thing, let's see if you, you can then move on. And and the goal is to be successful and I would say based on the nominations here These were successfully done films and hopefully we'll hear more from them All yeah. of these
0: artists. I gotta say while the Academy like votes on their favorites to narrow it down every year I feel like every year in the lineup. There's like one that I personally just like don't care for at all But this year, I like them all to a certain degree. Yeah,
1: there's some that I prefer yeah. But I was entertained by all of them and moved in some way and felt something emotionally, viscerally, emotionally with all of them. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm really excited to, to talk through these. And if you haven't seen them, um, just know that we don't have a spoiler-free zone with these. <laughs> these are all just... Um, because they are shorts, we will be talking through things that might spoil some of the details, um, especially on things like Late Afternoon, which to talk about it, we have to talk about the ending. and We have to talk about the things that happened there. So just a fair warning to you if you haven't seen it. We will be spoiling some of the details of the plot. However, we are not spoiling the feelings that you have in experiencing them, so still go watch them. Yeah, I've cried both times I've seen late afternoon so far, so. I don't think it diminishes it. No. I I explained late afternoon to my wife and she cried while I was explaining it. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's the power of that film. (laughs) I don't wanna start with it, but um, should we go alphabetical
0: order so we can work through these or should we? Yeah, let's start with animal behavior. which I've, I've seen... Most of these I've seen twice now, at least. Um, just for various reasons. Um, <laughs> the first time I saw Animal Behavior, it was when it was um, online viewable for like a hot minute. Um, and I think I just watched it alone in my room. And then the second time I watched it this week was with an audience. And seeing it with an audience is very different. Mm. I I could see like with an audience is like... Doo, do, do, do. Oh, like this. a lot more like responsiveness vocally to this film than like you have when you're just alone in a room.
1: And and I think audience is a very big piece of some of these films, especially comedies. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this one story that films especially have to leave the space in for audience reactions So they might feel awkward if you're watching it by yourself because they feel long and the comedy doesn't work because the comedy doesn't feel fast. The comedy is edited longer to allow for people to laugh and not miss the next joke. Except for comedies like Arrested Development, which just doesn't (laughs) stop. It's edited so that way there's no time to breathe. Yeah. But I think most comedies, and I think this goes back to the, you know, the early films, I said early films of the 1980s, um, where comedies aren't as funny if it's just you by yourself watching it, Mm -hmm. because the timing is wrong. They're meant to be seen um, with an audience. I think I had only ever seen Beetlejuice by myself. And so I thought it was funny, but it wasn't like laugh out loud funny, you know, and then I saw it with an audience and suddenly it was hilarious. It was like this (laughs) big party. And I'm like, my gosh, I don't remember it being this hilarious because
0: responsiveness of audience is part of it. That's how I feel about the room, which is a completely different example. Because The Room is notoriously the worst movie ever made. But it's it's like the Rocky Horror experience now. Like you go, oh, sure. it's all the things you do. And the first time I watched it, I had friends who loved it and were obsessed with it. They were like, you should watch this. I'm like, well, that was a movie. Thanks for making me sit through that. Uh, and then I saw it with like a live audience and hundreds of people. It's like, oh, okay, I get it now. Everything is, you just make fun of it the entire time. You know what's coming and that's the point. <laughs> so animal behavior like even me knowing what's coming like i enjoyed uh laughing and experiencing a second time um it's animal behavior is very much a short that i could see myself having written okay <laughs> you say okay okay uh, i mean that in a good way because it, it what i love about animal behavior is it's the, the humor for the first portion of the, of the film, it's like very, it's intentionally like, hit you over the head with a stick, obvious. It's mm. like, yes, this is what we're doing. They're animals and they can't get over their inherent behavior. Haha, ha, isn't this funny? Let's do 10 minutes of this. Um, and then where I, I see myself in the writing of this is where it goes from like, they're animals to they're humans very quickly. Um, so the spoiler here is of course is that um, we have the therapist who's a dog and the new patient who's a gorilla they wind up fighting and they're behaving as animals and the gorilla throws this broken stick out the window and the therapist jumps after the stick out of this like 10 story skyscraper in downtown Toronto and you hear like a car screech to a halt and like a tire roll away and everyone in the room is silent like he just killed the therapist (laughs) It's funny, 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 funny. Like, oh crap, this got real. And the dog comes in, says, oh, I think this is yours. Hands him back the stick and goes back to being a therapist. And that's really the switch that I really enjoy. It's like they're animals uh, and they, the, the writers and directors pull the rug away and reveal that they're humans. They feel the way we feel, even if they behave insanely before that.
1: And to be real, There's nothing that they quite did that would be totally unlike a human person, a human being losing control emotionally. Yeah. Um, And I think they go for that. They, They choose a strange assortment of animals to try to talk through very human tropes especially humans that would be in um, a group therapy session so we end up in this group therapy session with Leonard the the therapist dog who's a very good boy um, <laughs> and so you have the the really good like f- overly friendly therapist represented by a very overly friendly dog and then you have somebody who's in a a bad person in a relationship, you know, a, somebody who's a bloodsucker, who drains their um, their uh, significant others and represented by a leech. Literally, she's a leech. <laughs> um, and then you you have the person who overeats, who is represented by a pig, you know, the person who's there because they can't control their weight. And then you have somebody who is just overly sexualized and seems to be quote a sexual deviant, um, played by a praying mantis who eats her her mate while they're you know in the middle of you know romance time sessions. And then I, is that everybody? Uh, there's the bird. The bird who did something tragic as a as a child, um, and <laughs> is trying not to be defined by it now, and then, then we have the gorilla Victor, I believe, yeah, um, who comes in, who's just like the the brute the the one who can't control their anger. And usually that's the trope on somebody who comes into a group therapy session, the, I'm not even supposed to be here, but they're the person who probably needs it the most. You know, that that trope of just group therapy. So they know the tropes of the people, the, the kinds of people and characters who would be in a group therapy session, but giving them a, an animal counterpart. So it doesn't look normal. Mm-hmm. So there's not like... You don't get the usual animals that you would expect to see grouped together. So like, oh, cat, dog, and bird, and fish in a fishbowl. And, you know, it, it's a little bit strange. I was, for a while, I was like, what is that, the leech? I'm like, what, what, is that a worm with teeth? Like, what, what am I looking at? <laughs> yes, that's a leech, a worm with teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um... I just found that to be interesting It's I see, I see what they're setting up. And as you were saying, it is really obvious at the beginning in terms of we're hitting you over the head with exactly what this is. And you're just laughing because of the, okay, I've seen this before, but now they're animals. And that's, what's funny is the fact that they're animals and it just feels Oh, absurd. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. It's just the absur-
0: you're laughing at the absurdity of it. It's very much absurdity, and you know I love my bathos, and bathos is the Greek tat. It was like serious, 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 and now it's like fart jokes. Yes, and I also love the reverse modern bathos, which this does, of the uh, <laughs> fart jokes, fart jokes, fart jokes, serious emotional moment,
1: and so then maybe back just to a sucker for it because it's bathos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I do love the undercut. I mean that's that's my comedy style. That's my go-to, that's my brand. You know, mm-hmm. that's the Chris Leva brand is the the undercut something. I'm being authentic with you. Now I'm going to undercut it and then or <laughs> I'm just going to this is really funny, funny, funny and now I'm saying something that's just got rid of all of that good feeling. Yeah. But now we're funny again, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, It's, (laughs) I think people uh, would describe it as a gut punch. Yeah. And whatever you want to call it, like it's, this film does it so well in that one moment. I'm not articulating it well, but I really like that moment in this film. Yeah,
1: this, it was a shock. It takes the air out of the room on screen and (laughs) the room... Um, of the audience, like everyone has the exact same reaction on screen and in the audience at the same exact moment. Mm -hmm. The fact that you see the stick go out the window and the dog just goes, everyone just, (gasps) I, I remember just being like, Oh, and you hear the car without the car sound effect. I think you're just, what, what just happened? And they leave time to just stare at that window. There's just, it feels like it goes on forever. I know it doesn't, but it's just this, they linger on it
0: for so long. Uh, Anything else we should say about animal behavior? I do
1: appreciate that it ends (laughs) with just the other trope of, you've made a brilliant discovery, now I'm going to kick you out. We'll see you next week. I yeah. I can't wait that long. No, I just I just figure this out. I need
0: to be worked on. Please. Yeah, process. Go home. Do your homework. You're in therapy. They give you paperwork. <laughs> I think that's all I
1: want to say. I just I enjoyed that it leaned into the tropes.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: That's, that's the one lean in that I believe in.
0: <laughs> lean into the tropes. Okay. Anyway. So next up, we have uh, Bao from Domi Domishi. Um, I feel like I've seen this one too many times now. I'm too close to it. <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk
1: through just the overall idea
0: of what this is about? Like, what happens? This one is so wonderful. It's a... Um, there's a lot of Toronto in this movie, in this action. Yeah, because I think Animal Behaviour is Toronto. This is set in Toronto. Yes. Weekends is in Toronto for part of it. <laughs> There's a lot of... Toronto is a theme this year. We're going to... Theme number one of the animated shorts 2019, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there it's... Um, this Chinese-Canadian woman and her husband, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah and they live alone in this apartment in Chinatown, Toronto, and they just live this life, and it's fine, um, but not very eventful. And so then one day, the woman is making her, her bao, these steamed dumplings, and she puts one in her mouth, and it comes to life, and it becomes this like pudgy, baby-faced dumpling <laughs> that she raises and grows up, and slowly the dumpling grows apart from her, as the dumpling is wont to do. Wanton to do?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, uh, oh. I feel both good and bad about that joke. <laughs> thank you? <laughs> I feel like that's very on-brand for you, Mackenzie. <laughs> I will take
0: that. Um, and uh, essentially at the end it's revealed that... Um, uh, well, it does another, like, bathos moment of, like, the dumpling is leaving with its girlfriend that it got engaged to. And she doesn't want the dumpling to leave, and she's fighting with it and decides, like, rather than letting you leave, I'm going to eat you. And she eats a dumpling and starts crying. And then it cuts like, the next day she's in bed still mourning and crying. And then comes in a human human young adult that looks like a dumpling. Um, (laughs) It turns out she just saw, like, her baby was, like, little dumpling. Like, that was her nickname, and she just envisioned this narrative about this dumpling around this kid, and the kid really was moving out and growing up, and she had a hard time dealing with that. And so they kind of eat and make up.
1: Which I think is the most beautiful moment of that whole thing. This... I mean, you see... You don't realize that it's about this. You think that it's um, a silly thing about either this woman is... um, hallucinating or she's working through something and you don't know. That's what I like about it is they don't show you anything beforehand. All you see when it starts is her making dumplings. That's it. That's where you begin. So there's no hint of anything. You don't see any sadness in her. You don't see like, oh, she's depressed for some reason. She's just making dumplings and then it comes to life. And then she cares for it and it grows up and grows older. You don't know how long it's been. Maybe a week or maybe a year. (laughs) Who knows how long that she's been working through this. And then that reveal, like, you just think it's ridiculous and absurd until she eats the dumpling. And I think if you search Twitter for Bao, uh, you find just people going crazy about that moment. Like that's all they talk about is you traumatized my children, you know?
0: (laughs) So yeah, she's a Pixar filmmaker in the making. (laughs) You went to a Pixar movie, I don't know what you expected. (laughs) Children traumatization, that's their M.O. In one single moment,
1: very much in the third act. (laughs) like. (laughs) <laughs> the end of the second act. We will
0: traumatize you. They just don't put that on the posters. At this point, if you don't know where you're getting into, like I don't know why you're seeing a Pixar movie. Like that's been what the last twenty years have been about. <laughs> so the food in this movie, though the food. That's why I'm so pleased when she ate her child. <laughs> <laughs> it does look delicious. The opening.
1: The opening shot of of that is just it delicious. It's just delicious.
0: Yeah. I am an old school like red wall novel, like YA adult fan, and that novel series is famous for like its descriptions of food. So I think I'm a sucker for like food and things. I love cooking. I love eating. When you do food well, it's great. This is the first I think it's the first computer animated movie of any length that I've seen where like the food in it made me hungry. When I think of good food in animation, I think like Spirited Away and this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ratatouille. Ratatouille, I haven't seen it in a while, so I need to like watch it again and get hungry. That's delicious. Uh, I mean,
1: we made Ratatouille like two weeks after we saw that movie, because I'm like, I, I need to eat this f-
0: magic food. <laughs> Part of the the talk that she did, because every time Pixar does a a, a short, they, Have to push themselves forward in some way, like the developing new technology. Like Piper was like the sand and the granules of sand and like millions of pieces of sand on screen at all times. And so the talk that we saw from Domi Shi was about after doing water uh, and everything in cocoa and more that the Pixar effects department was brought to its knees by pork filling, (laughs) 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 and they had to figure out how to make it look good and behave like pork filling, Um, because. Domi Shi said something that really rang true. And in a short about food, if the food looks bad, it's gonna take you out of the moment. They want you to stay in the moment. So even if the food is on screen for like half a second in the background, it all had to look amazing. And they really invested everything into making steam look good, the filling behave like as if it were filling, the pork to be shiny with the beans and the wok. Um, Oh gosh,
1: that looked delicious. In the pan? And the donuts, like, it's really hard to do donuts with sugar on them. And those looked tasty. Yeah. yeah. And they, they just looked delicious. I, w- I wanted to go get donuts. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Fox in the Snow here in Columbus, oh, grab man. one of those donuts and eat one of those donuts because I was,
0: oh, oh. gosh. I just had Fox and Snow like six weeks ago and I'm craving it again now. <laughs> For our new listeners, I don't live in Columbus anymore, so I only get delicious things like Fox and the Snow sometimes, um, but you're totally <laughs> right. I would watch a Pixar movie about Fox and Snow while eating Fox in the Snow.
1: Oh, now, okay. Now I know what our animated short
0: is. <laughs> there we go, A knockoff of Bow. A knock of Bao. <laughs> knock By two Bao. dudes in animation. But with a fox. <laughs> the little prince and Bao. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, okay, so let's let's talk through this a little bit. I I think for me the moment there were two moments that speak to me the most in this, which was eating the child, <laughs> eating her little dumpling, and the moment where the son and mother come together. So it's this moment. There's no dialogue in the whole short which is pretty typical for animated shorts. We've talked about that before, that dialogue is usually very sparse in animated shorts, whether that's because of um, not having time, not having money for actors, not wanting to do mouth movements. For whatever reason, usually talking and dialogue is very sparse. Um, But it didn't need any talking. So the sun comes to the room, you know, it looks like, oh, it's the dumpling coming back. And then it the light reveals that it's it's a real boy. <laughs> and he comes in and he walks in and he tries to leave. And the father pushes him in and closes the door, which is basically, you fix this. You need to take care of this. You need to confront it. And the son sits down and he pulls out the pink donut box and sets it down. And the mom gets up and, you know, he takes out the donut, hands her one, and they eat together. And nothing is spoken. And they just both start weeping. They just both start crying. And then he leans on her shoulder and she returns the gesture and they lean together and just cry. And it's like it's the lesson of sometimes it's about the intimacy and it's not about what happened before. It's about oh gosh, I'm about to cry. Can we be um, together again? Like mm-hmm. just being
0: <sighs> It's the like a non-spoken are we okay? Right. And it's it's just that, that
1: <clears throat> um, moment of togetherness. Oh my gosh. Oh. Hang on. I'll be okay. <laughs> oh. I mean it doesn't Yeah, it's just it's it's just another theme as we as we go through, we've we've just hit two of them, but as we see another theme in 2019 these animated shorts is what's happening internally in a character is represented by something very physically manifested in the reality of the um, in the reality of the world so in animal behavior something internal is just there in human internals are there represented as animals Um, in Bao what she's feeling, what she's going through is shown in this absurd retelling of letting go of her child at various points um, through a A dumpling that's come to life, but still going through that emotion of anger and betrayal and feeling like she wants to hold on so much to the way things were that she would be willing to consume to keep the child (laughs) on her own and but still losing the child. It's just... So it's, it's just out there, the, the internal journey is manifested in the visuals.
0: Yeah. And the visual, uh, the last thing I wanna say is just how much I appreciated from going to the talk, learning about how Pixar made this film. And of course, Disney animators, as we've talked about many times, are renowned for like, oh, we're talking about Juana, let's go to Polynesia and just kind of like see everything in the Pacific Ocean and like culture Mm. and experiences firsthand. We're doing Coco, let's go to Mexico and do Day of the Dead. And (laughs) to do the story of uh, modern Chinatown Toronto, um, the Pixar animators went out to San Francisco and Oakland Chinatowns for granny watch and they just watched grandmothers walking around (laughs) on the streets in Chinatown. (laughs) So just imagining a whole bunch of like 20 to 30 year old animators just hang out in Chinatown with like sketchbooks, like sketching granules, like picking out like different fruits and stuff from Chinese grocers. Um, and actually Domishi's mother came out and had a dumpling making class with the animation crew.
1: Which it shows that (laughs) that there was like that making that process was studied because there's a, this masterful process. Like, I feel like I could make dumplings after saying like, oh, okay. And then you do that. Then, oh, then you just turn them out in discs. It's very similar to tortilla
0: making. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, you twist them together at the top. Exactly how it looks. Now I get it. I get dumplings. <laughs> ah,
1: <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Thank you, Bao.
0: Uh, should we move on to Late Afternoon? Oh, God, I don't know if I could take it. But yes, yes, let's. This one, I I really like Late Afternoon, and I have um, ugly cried in private and ugly cried in a crowded theater over this night. <laughs> um, it's a very personal movie, and at a certain point, you kind of see the twist coming. Yes. But that doesn't stop it from being emotional, because it's it's such a well done journey and there's not as much there's not as much to talk about as I think animal behavior and battle have like the different scenes and the elements and how they do things late afternoon is very much an emotional journey Um, but that emotional journey is also a story here and you
1: feel everything that the main character is going through because they're taking you through her mental state literally Mm -hmm. so the story of late afternoon is we, we meet an older woman in a chair and a, the a young woman, um, we assume as a nurse, comes in um, and says, hello, it's Kate. And the older woman says, oh, well, it's nice to meet you. And so would you like some tea? And she offers the old woman some tea and a biscuit. And then the old woman. Dips the biscuit, it breaks off, as you know, biscuits or cookies and milk <laughs> does want to do, just gets saturated and drops in. And she stares into the cup, and we dive into the cup, and through the tea, the the color, of the liquid transforms into the ocean. And we see this young girl having all these times at the ocean and with her mom and she spells her name Emily on the, um, on the shoreline. And then we see a wave come and take it away. And the old woman is just shocked that this memory has come back. You just see her breathing deeply. And each time that she has an interaction with Kate, another different memory comes up. A memory of a husband comes through and then the memory of a daughter comes through and it it it's just this very rapid fire but it doesn't feel it's not like fast but it's very fluid and it feels like it feels like you're in water
0: mm-hmm.
1: that ha- you're in a current and you're being taken through these things that you don't have control personally of what synapses are firing you're just on this thing. And at some point, then it starts to move very quickly. You know, a woman goes into a bath and then her belly grows and she's pregnant. And then, you know, it just keeps going from there. And then we see this young girl out on the beach. And you see her write her name on the shoreline and it says, Kate. And then it goes back to the old woman who says oh my gosh and she recognizes Kate is actually her daughter.
0: Mm -hmm. And And the voice actor
1: to her credit here is so good. Oh yes. And it's just this heartbreaking moment of Kate oh my daughter Kate you know my, my dear Kate and they hug and Kate is just so relieved like mom like she's She's recognized her, Mm -hmm. but then we see where Kate wrote her name on the shoreline. We see waves come back and wash it away again Mm -hmm. at the end. And then, you know, oh, this is, this is just a moment. And then like the waves, it's going to wash that memory away. And it's going to be like, it never happened. Yeah, And I think that's the moment that it, yes, the reveal was very cathartic <laughs> and it hit me, even though I knew. Like, I feel like when Kate was packing books, it's like, oh, that's her daughter. Mm-hmm. And then, but getting there was not any less emotional <laughs> for me. But this that, time. I'm sorry. And that final shot
0: was just the thing that broke yeah, broke me. I think watching it for a second time, I got to appreciate the, the transition moments where you're talking about the story being very fluid and we're definitely on the journey with Emily going through her memories. And she kind of envisions herself as like being in fluid and swimming with like these colorful bubbles around here, around her and the first one she finds, she like, is curious and goes to it finds out it's a memory and then we see her as she experiences each memory like either swimming toward them because she's loving this um or running away from a particularly sad one that she didn't want to experience again and where i broke the second time uh not expecting it is the first time we see the the memory of the husband or boyfriend or whatever the father of kate presumably it's this huge color bubble that she sinks into. It's like this sea of its own of memories that was like a really powerful image for me mm. after having these small bubbles and going into the the large memory. And that's all of him yeah. having to say goodbye and, mm-hmm. oh. It's so good. It's no secret that I love Cartoon Saloon. I love them so much. Um, spoilers for the end of our podcast. I hope that they get the Oscar finally for this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah I uh,
1: this one is my vote I know we're three in and we still have two more to talk about but I feel like this one is the one that I would want to win it's the one that artist artistry wise and story wise um, tells the story most completely and the most fully <laughs> it's, I, completely and fully but you, i don't know if you know what i mean it's like it's the one that's the the best package of everything it, it's the artistry the art of it is is gorgeous the the emotion of it the storytelling of it it's just very taut and very strong and it just it's experimental enough um it's it feels original, yet still classical. It's really nice.
0: Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so. I agree. I feel like I don't have much more to say. I feel like we I said know. it all. I think so. We've talked we, more about the other ones, but like, this one speaks for itself, go watch it.
1: Yeah, if, if you've only watched one, if you only have time to watch one short film, which I don't know <laughs> why you only have time to watch one short <laughs> film, um, but you owe it to yourself to see you Late Afternoon. Okay. Should we talk
0: about One Small Step? Yeah. Uh, so One Small Step is the uh, joint U.S. and China production. Um, this one I, I also liked. It's another parent-child relationship one. That's theme number two. Three. Three. Up to three themes. Toronto, so we, emotional uh,
1: or internal journeys coming manifesting themselves in an external world. And
0: then the um, parent- parent-child relationship. Yep, there we go. There's your short film. That's your mathematical formula for getting an Oscar-nominated short <laughs> film in 2019. <laughs> Toronto's The Manifestation Physically of a Parent-Child Relationship. There you go, go. Done. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. <clears throat> Except One Small Step, I think is set in San Francisco. It's very San Francisco in look. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so we have, uh, this is another no dialogue short uh we have this little girl and her dad her dad is like a a a cobbler a shoe repairman and uh it's about this little girl who loves space and like i think he either buys or makes for her like these like astronaut boots and encourages her love and she goes to she enrolls in astronaut school or something astrophysics yeah astrophysics uh, college of astrophysics (laughs) and so she's trying to get into the astronaut program and figure out like what she can, what she needs to do to have her dream come true. Uh, and at one point, we see her at a low moment where she's rejected, she's failing her courses, and she comes home to discover something has happened to her dad. And there's clearly a a funeral scene. And uh, she goes under his shoe repair desk and finds a box full of all of her shoes, all of them. Now I'm crying a little bit. Um, that she's ever had and he's repaired and he's kept he kept all of them for her and this inspires her as she goes back and finds the astronaut boots and she finds it within herself to um, overcome the obstacle she's had and rather than like being left alone and feeling helpless like she had been before when her peers start to struggle she helps them also and lifts up the whole group together and they presumably all go to astronaut school which is like Hogwarts but on the moon I think Yes. And then they all graduate and she
1: ends up in space. Yes. There's a moment that she steps off onto the moon, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And as she's taking her step on the moon, it cuts to her stepping off her bed or onto her bed and jumping into her father's arms as a child in her old boots. Like the dream that the father supported, the support of her father now put her here but also the the unseen way like trolls in the night fixing shoes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know um, putting that shoe together For you. Uh, and, my, and my son just tiptoed in and handed me some Valentine's with that he drew so. I'm uh, having my own moment just now. Aww. Anyway, uh, so the a father coming through and supporting his daughter in, in small <laughs> ways that he can, and um, I'm putting that through. So it's just really interesting. And I did watch it with my son, Jack, which is fun that he actually snuck in the room very quietly I <laughs> am recording. Um, While well, we talked about this, and he loves space, he loves all the planets he can name all the dwarf planets and all the gas giants and he he knows he knows <laughs> the differences and he loved this short, but he was devastated um when the father died mm-hmm. and what 's lovely about a short like this is that a six year old can watch it and know. Did her dad, and he asked me, did her daddy die? Like he was able to recognize what was going on. And he was really emotionally affected by her trauma and ripping her poster of the shuttle in her bedroom and giving up on her dream. Um, And then she she got a new poster and, and she, started trying again and then succeeding. And the first time I watched it, I was a little bit disappointed that she ended up on the moon. Hmm. Like, I was a little bit disappointed that it went that far. That I wanted it to end with her just going back to school. Like, that Hmm. would have been enough. I feel. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I wanted the step to be... I'm stepping back into the room and like, you could have had the same shot, her stepping into the school and her stepping onto that, pretending to be on the moon with her dad and just being the hint that it's going to go somewhere. I felt like it lessened the emotion just a little bit for me to complete the story that far.
0: But- I mean, I think because it's, it's a joint U S China production, and this is me speaking generally about China, but I feel like China's like this very, like, optimistic, technological, like, go-getter place right now. Like, if you want it to happen, it will happen. And that yeah. felt like that translated into the short, very much so.
1: Yeah. And I the second <clears> time <throat> I watched it, I liked it more. Um, I like the, the the moment that I appreciated the most of it is as... As Luna, which is aptly named daughter mm-hmm. uh, who loves the moon, so Luna is um, at her school she's doing well, she you know gives a high five as she passes the test to her own Ron Weasley, and then she um she's running on the track, and her friend falls, and she turns around and helps her friend up. That's the moment that said, okay, I'm on this. This is different. I can, it's not just about her anymore. It's like she's supporting people like her dad supported her while she's going. So it's not about, I must accomplish something. It's, let's do this. Yeah. And I, I like that message a little bit more than you can you can succeed with all your dreams, you know, you have to do the work. It's like, no, let's let's work together. Let's bring each other up. Let's Yeah.
0: You only get places when people help you.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. It's never yourself. It's mm-hmm. never yourself. You know. Um and and I you agree. see that a little bit at the beginning with the father just cultivating her dream by the fact that the dad puts on this helmet that he made out of cardboard, his own space helmet. She has her plastics helmet and he made one out of cardboard. And, you know, she jumps into his arms and they get in another cardboard box that's a rocket and they blast off into these beautiful stars hanging from, from string that are made out of cardboard and this cardboard Saturn. And... I just love them like blasting through this cardboard Saturn. They're like ah, and then they slam through it, and he's just shocked like, well, no, we're gonna hit this planet, but it's made out of cardboard and it's flimsy and it falls over. And it's just there's another manifestation of an in, internal thing coming out <laughs> and being <laughs> displayed. Here's this dream world that that we're living through again. So yeah, and a father daughter relationship. So.
0: I really like the aesthetic of this short overall. I think it looks really pretty. I think my only criticism of One on Small Step is the pacing sometimes felt weird. Yeah. Like it's like a hard cut to this sad funeral scene and a hard cut away from it. Um, and so it's a little like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Jittery, it's like emotionally jittery. Yes, it's it doesn't let to you- peanut butter
1: smooth. Yeah, it doesn't let you complete that emotion. No. Yeah. There there are about three different shots at the funeral. There's It cuts to her with the candles, and then her setting it down, and then her in her room, and then it's just like really, really fast, instead of just holding there for a moment. I feel like it just moves really
0: strangely in that time period. And I get it. They're all great shots, and it's hard to kill your babies. Totally get it. Each one of those images could have told that story on its own just fine. But the problem is they're all great. <laughs> right. They're beautiful. Like the, It looks 2D. It looks
1: flat, but it has a 3D aesthetic. Um, and the, I think for me, the opening shot where she's watching a, a shuttle launch on TV and you see the shuttle in her each of her eyes and it's blasting off. It's, <laughs> it's a gorgeous <clears throat> moment absolutely gorgeous yeah. and from that moment I was like I'm, I'm in That was <laughs> from that moment I'm like yes yes I
0: believe in the art of this one I'm here for the ride <laughs> let's do this uh speaking of being here for the ride uh should we talk about weekends yes let's talk about weekends so weekends this one I've only seen once this one's a hard puppy to track down um uh, also um about not about um it's set in Canada there's a little boy um who alternates time between his freshly divorced mom and dad his dad lives in downtown Toronto and lives this wonderful like if you can imagine a bachelor pad from the 80s with as many bachelory things as you can possibly think of like his dad in this movie has it
1: yeah but he's—you could see—he's trying to live um, with a lot of money, you know, in terms of the things that he owns. But really, he it, he lives in a really small apartment. Yeah. So all this nice stuff is just jammed in there. He's <laughs> yeah, got like a microwave on a cart. That's all he cooks with. <laughs> but the son loves it. Like that's what the son looks forward to, and like watching these um, samurai films because there are all these samurai swords in his dad's house, and uh, there's a horse that would not be um, out of place at a P.F. Chang's.
0: (laughs) It's the best way to describe that horse.
1: (laughs) But it's red, and you know that's in the boy's the room that the boy gets to sleep in. But he never sleeps in the bed. Like he can't fall asleep. He sits on the horse and looks out the window and sleeps
0: on the horse. Yeah, this this movie's a joy to look at. In that everything it portrays is so wonderfully done and depressing. <laughs> yes. It's and it's really graphic. Not in terms
1: of I I mean art artfully graphic. It feels like almost graphic novel-ish, but you, f- you feel the pen and pencil strokes. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a 2D one, but if you feel the, the hatch lines, you
0: feel like the sketch of it. Um, and I guess that's an interesting way to put it. You feel the work of this, but you also... I think the emotional takeaway for me was like, you feel the work that the, the mom puts in over the course of a year because mm-hmm. at first the narrative is the child loves going to see his dad and like his newly divorced mom has like nothing no furniture can't do anything on her own um and it's really depressing like he sleeps on newspapers at the beginning and right. over the course of the year the mom gets her life together and the dad just isn't there for the kid emotionally
1: it's just the same yeah. there's 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 no growth. It's, hey, we're just watching another samurai movie. You're going to sleep on the horse. And that's it. That's what our relationship is. Mm-hmm. And it's represented by the same Money for Nothing song, which I'd never heard the whole thing of that song. I only know the um, Weird to Owl version, which is about the <laughs> Beverly <surprised>. Hillbillies. So, <laughs> so I was like, I couldn't, I didn't know what that song actually said. Because I, all I heard was the Beverly Hillbillies lyrics from Weird Al, so I was having that a makes really this a whole different movie. <laughs> I don't. It's not that I don't listen to a lot of music. It's that most of my music knowledge comes from Weird Al Yankovic. Um, anyway, but the the fact that you still hear the the Money for Nothing song and. That's the only song that generally accompanies the father. Like That's the same thing. He's a creature of habit. You're not going to get anything else. There's no depth. It's just, hey, I'm going to listen to this song and what you want doesn't really matter. I'm just going to live my life the way I live my life. And the fact that you're here Friday night to Sunday morning doesn't really change anything. I'm still going to bring this girl home. You know, we're still going to
0: do what we do and you're just gonna be around. Yeah, and I think that this movie hit home. I'm not coming from divorce or anything like that at all, but it it feels like a lot of people this is a very true story for, for those who saw it, and lived similar childhoods. Mm. Um, Where this did ring true for me was like, being a kid and having your idea of adulthood changing by like, and your opinion of adults around you changing over the course of time. Especially very specific
1: ones based on, you think this person is this, and then you live through it and start to see, oh no, they're not really Yeah. everything and, like, that. Getting respect for an adult that you like didn't necessarily have respect for before. And then losing all respect for somebody that you thought was the coolest person.
0: Yeah, I can't say that, that losing respect part, but definitely like I had one grandma, I'm like. When I was really little, like, this is the boring grandma. She is no fun. <laughs> and then as an adult, I'm like, oh, this grandma like challenged me and maybe do things that I didn't want to do and maybe grow as a person. She was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like that grandma. I like both grandmas. Liked both grandmas. Oh. There's my animated short right there. Oh, <laughs> it's <like> <laughs> <laughs> There's the emotional journey.
1: <laughs> Just make sure it's in tr- make sure it takes place in Toronto and you're there. Yep, there we go. I did appreciate also that there was the fact that you start to change your, your idea with the mother when she lets in this random guy. Um, you know, she gets flowers from this guy and you can't see his full face because you're looking at him from the... What's that word called? The, um, the kid's perspective? Perspective. Thank you for this perspective of the child. <laughs> I'm just pointing at the sky, <laughs> so you're only looking up at him, and then you see his head is basically a birthday cake with a candle on top, kind of feeling. I don't That's know exactly a, I think what in it is. That's thinking the nightmare part. <clears throat> and and then you just start seeing these dreams of the child manifest himself. He's riding the horse sometimes. Um, he sees the wife's new boyfriend. Um, melt and turn into this fiery furnace and flames coming out chasing him while the whole house catches on fire. You're like, okay, what did that guy do? What did that guy do? Because you know he did something. Mm -hmm. Because you hear crashing and stuff and you see the messed up kitchen and the mom cleaning things up and you know something bad happened. And then I did appreciate that the mom then just throws him out and doesn't let him back in. And I think that's when you start to see the son, like, notice the strength of his mother and start to lean more on his mom. And then it seals the deal when the father gets engaged um, and then doesn't show up one Friday. Mm Mm-hmm. And you just see them waiting there, and you're, they've set it up really well um, to see the pattern. Here's Friday, here's Sunday, here's Friday, here's Sunday, here's Friday, here's Sunday, here's Friday. And then no father. And that's everything. You get the... You understand what happened. And then the son and the mom play together and they paint and they fix their lives together. And then they
0: make the house their own together. And there's one last dream that's like a walking dead shot of Toronto of the kid on the horse in his dream, but Toronto's empty, except for the sound of money for nothing, <laughs> which is a really cool image. I liked it. Even if it's like, looks exactly like the walking dead promo shot. <laughs> I think this wore it better. <laughs> oh gosh. Is there <clears throat>
1: anything else we want to say about weekends?
0: I think that does it for me. So having discussed all five, uh, which one is your favorite and which one do you think will have won the previous weekend before this episode airs? All right. Um,
1: late afternoon for me, and I, I think we spoiled it just a little bit, I feel like is the, the best all around in terms of experience and my personal experience. So I am... It was my favorite, and I'm rooting for it to win. um what I think will win, I almost think that bow or one small step might win
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that's because they're a little bit more there's a little bit more to them, yeah, um late afternoon might get written off just because of how small and encapsulated the story is, but I just think it's so concentrated. But I think it might, they may not vote for it because it feels smaller.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with all the sentiment. Late Afternoon is my favorite. I think it's the best made. It would be my pick to win. Um, I could also see Bao winning. I completely agree. If only for like the completeness of its story paired with the technical achievement that it has. Right.
1: Yeah. I still want Late Afternoon to win nothing against you, Bao, because I, I enjoyed Bao, but I think Bao, it, for me, it's like Bao and then possibly one small step just because of how beautiful it is. Yeah. And then Late Afternoon would come in third. If you got to see the numbers of how they voted, I think that's <laughs> how how it will come out. But I wish it would go late afternoon, then bow, then
0: then, um, one small step. I just want Cartoon Saloon to get the recognition they deserve. I know. Um, Did you have a favorite individual moment from any of these shorts? Okay. I think my
1: favorite moment, just because it was surprising and just silly and fun and ridiculous, is the father and daughter just slamming through the cardboard Saturn. <laughs> it, it was just, for me, just that moment, the shock of the father, like, ah, we're gonna crash, and then, oh, it's just cardboard. Like it just, it just was delightful. And Cardboard Saturn just sounds like a really cool band name.
0: <laughs> I could see that. What so, about for you? For me, just because I'm a sucker for food, I'm going to say the food and bow. Like yeah. it's, it's so well done, it excites me that computer animated food can look that good. Um, <laughs> and it's just so visceral for me, like the food alone could tell a story. Just show me an animation of people cooking, no emotional journey, no written story, and I'd still be like, that's the best thing ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a hundred times, you yes. win.
0: Basically, yes. So, favorite <laughs> individual, not bringing me to ugly tears moment. Goes to Bal's food. <laughs> awesome.
1: Well, shall we talk about homework time for next time? Let's. For your homework, in celebration of the second season of the Dragon Prince premiering on Netflix, I almost said it, the Netflix, but the boom the boom So, <laughs> the second season of the Dragon Prince. To celebrate that, watch season one. <laughs> Episode four of the Dragon Prince, and we will be looking at the character of General slash Aunt Amaya.
0: And I don't know what the name of that episode is. I forget also, but it is that that episode number. Maybe watch some other ones. We'll talk about Amaya in general, but especially that one. General Amaya in general. Oh. <laughs> general Amaya oh, works <laughs> on so many levels. <laughs> As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You
1: can find us on the web. Let us know who you think is going to win or who actually did win. Never mind. Uh, on <laughs> Twitter on WG Animated on Twitter. Like us on the Facebook. And if you have time, please leave a review on iTunes. So that way other folks can find our podcast and love it. You can see our Show notes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com.
0: I don't know why I said a weird voice at that point. Dot com. Normally I'd say something silly, but I just want to say congrats to all the nominees. You truly are all deserving and deserving to be on our podcast as guest speakers. If you want to call us, beep us, if you want to reach us. Wow. In celebration of the live
1: action Kim Possible being released. Thank you, Mackenzie. Um... (laughs) But no, I, the one thing in the showing that I saw of, of these, they showed footage of most of the nominees when they f- were watching the nominations happen. So they're all in their robes or they're all watching on a computer. And like, <laughs> we, wa- you know, we got nominated. All. And they're all like crying and hugging. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to see the creators for once. So to remember that people made these.
0: yeah,
1: People who should talk to us. People... <laughs> People who should talk to us. People who should be on podcasts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Good night, everybody. everybody. (laughs) That's all that's left to say.
0: And the Oscar goes to Bow. This is the first Oscar and nomination for Domi Shi and Becky Neiman Cobb. Academy Awards in this category have been presented since 1932.